0: Welcome to the Beef Brunch Educational Series Podcast, bringing you information on cattle production and management in Louisiana and surrounding states. Hi everyone, thank you for watching our Beef Brunch Educational Series webinar for February of 2023. Like last month, we are doing things a little differently this month and not offering this as a live webinar. Last July, we hosted a Marketing Your Beef workshop at our Deanley Research Station in Alexandria. Following that, we have had multiple requests for some of that content and thought it would be good to post a couple of those recordings as part of the Beef Brunch series. This month, you will hear the second recording we are posting from this workshop. Mr. Tyler Bro, lecturer and 4-H livestock specialist, will discuss the quality and yield grades of cattle. If you missed last month's webinar from Mr. Boo Persica, manager of the Meat Science Laboratory at LSU and lecturer in the School of Animal Sciences, you can still find it on our Beef Brunch site or YouTube channel. Please feel free to email me with any questions you may have on this webinar. I will forward them to Tyler and get an answer for you. My contact details are in the video and podcast descriptions.
1: Perfect, thank you Dr. Edwards. Um, so I'll preface this by saying I am by no means a meat scientist and I think that Dr. Edwards is doing this as a part of a test because she is on my PhD committee. So hopefully I pass right give me some good stars on that so that maybe uh one day I'll finish this final degree but I'm going to talk a little bit about um assessment of quality and yield grades and so I know Boo I was in the back in a meeting so I didn't hear everything that he said but I know he kind of went through some of this or alluded to a little bit about uh related to quality and yield grades and so about the first half of this presentation, we'll talk about it from a carcass perspective, and then we'll go through and talk about how we can make these estimations on a live animal, right, so that uh, you as a producer maybe can have some sort of an idea when it comes time to sell a load of calves, maybe what you can expect or how you can expect those cattle to grade. So just starting off um, and before we kind of get into the the meat and potatoes of this particular presentation just to go ahead and distinguish between the differences between um, inspection and grading all right so the focus of this presentation um, is on the right hand side of the screen right we're going to talk about um, assessing or determining quality and yield grades And that is a very different thing than uh, inspection, right? So we know we have people from LDAF here, uh, and their uh, role in the slaughter process revolves around inspection, right? So they're determining wholesomeness of carcasses. Um, It's done by the USDA Food Safety Inspection Service. If you're federally inspected, or we know um, how it works on the state inspected level, veterinarians are involved. This is a mandatory practice, um, and it's paid for by taxpayers. On the flip side of that, when we talk about grading a carcass, so obviously this presentation is going to talk about uh, determining quality and yield grades. And so we're looking at the value. um, We're looking at the quality of of that particular uh, carcass. This is regulated by the USDA Ag Marketing Service, um, a grader, so someone that's trained to do this or a piece of equipment we'll talk about that in just a little bit um, actually does the grading of these carcasses it's voluntary and if grading happens in a packing plant that is that service is paid for um, by the packer so just to kind of set the stage on what we're going to talk about we're talking about grading um, and this is a a voluntary practice and so just to kind of get started uh, introducing the concepts of quality and yield grades So the USDA uses this dual grading system. Uh, So yield grade estimates cutability, and we'll define that a little further as we move through the the presentation. And then quality grades on the flip side, um, it's a comprehensive evaluation of factors that impact or affect palatability. So the word quality kind of says the definition, right? So we're trying to figure out how that eating experience for the consumer is going to be. Many factors play into that and we'll get into those as we go through this. And so the the purpose of this, the the USDA grading system works to segregate carcasses into categories, um, similar categories based on cutability and then the intended quality or the intended palatability of that particular carcass. And so, as I just mentioned, um, highly trained graders that are employed by the USDA actually do this or approved electronic instruments Assign these quality and yield grades to carcasses, obviously after the harvest process, um, following a chilling, which is typically 18 to 48 hours post harvest. So the chilling process occurs where um, that time period passes and then um, these graders get in and grade those carcasses. So grading is optional. We, we just uh, realized that on the first slides. And so plants have to request that carcasses be graded and they pay for that service. And so this figure is a little old. I got it from a publication that Mississippi State put out a number of years ago. um, But more than 95% of beef cattle harvested receive USDA um, grades. So, just to kind of give you an idea, it's a voluntary service, but obviously one that is heavily used uh, in the the cattle that are processed. More and more fed cattle are are being sold by factors or, or by feeders to packers in um, agreements or transactions like uh, graded yield, or we all hear the term, I'm going to sell cattle on the grid, right? Um, where producers are ultimately selling cattle after they are harvested and they're, they're paid a premium, hopefully a premium, right? Based on the quality of the carcass that they uh, produce. And so these types of systems that are in place, if we're selling cattle, On a grid, it's going to require that the carcasses are graded. So that's a yield and a quality grade is determined prior to that. Um, Some of our packing plants also have their own in-house type of grades that they utilize in different programs in order for producers to take advantage and hopefully um, receive a premium for the the carcass that their cattle produce. And then obviously we see um, the percentage of source and age verified cattle increasing. Um, There was a figure in that document that I referred to earlier, uh, but that was a number of years old, and so uh, I just left it at that. I think that this is a a common practice, and we're seeing a lot of cattle sold um, through source or age-verified type programs. So now let's start talking about quality grades. Uh, So it it evaluates factors that impact uh, beef palatability, and we'll break it down even further, but we're talking about things like Uh, tenderness, juiciness, and flavor. So those things that are actually going to make a difference when we cut a piece of that ribeye off and we actually take a bite. And so quality grades um, pretty much are just uh, describing the eating factor or eating quality and the desirability of that particular cut of meat. And so quality grade is is determined by two major factors. And I know Boo alluded to some of this, but marbling and carcass maturity, And that's what's utilized in order for that quality grade to be determined and we'll talk about it in a little bit and we'll break it down even further kind of what we look for from the standpoint of evaluating marbling as well as carcass maturity so we don't just say oh that calf is young or oh that calf is old right things uh the carcass tells us uh, from a maturity standpoint what it is that we're looking at and we'll go into more detail in just a second so bone characteristics and color firmness and texture of the exposed lean between the 12th and 13th rib Um, that's uh, what we can utilize to help us to come up with this quality grade and so a better quality grade is achieved with more marbling obviously and lower carcass maturity so we'll go through the five different um, stages i guess or levels of maturity Um, it's a lettering system a through e and so an A maturity carcass is one that's um, younger than uh, an e maturity carcass. And so when we think about quality grades and really what that means, kind of from a production standpoint, um, or from an economic standpoint, quali- quality grades are the most influential component uh, of pricing. All right. And if you don't agree with that statement, I sold those points, <laughs> so take that out. So in terms of estimating palatability of beef, I already mentioned these three factors, but um, tenderness, juiciness, and flavor are the three that we are most concerned with. And obviously, those are the ones that um, decide whether or not a consumer has a positive eating experience. And obviously, as beef cattle producers, that is what we are striving for, right? We want people to want our product. Um, And so quality grades are based on maturity and marbling score. And so when we talk about maturity from the standpoint of aging a carcass, it's based on physiological maturity and not chronological age. Okay, So sometimes that can be a concept that is a little bit difficult to understand. And we're going to go through and talk about what type of uh, evaluation is done on that carcass in order for us uh, to come up with this physiological age. But it has to do with... um, ossification of the thoracic buttons and we'll get to that in just a second to describe what that means and then marbling score right so we know what marbling is the intramuscular fat there was some conversation on it earlier there are different degrees of marbling so the amount that's present um, in that cut of meat along with the maturity of the carcass from a physiological standpoint are going to be the two factors that ultimately decide the um, quality grade of that particular carcass. And so when we think about quality grades, I'm sure this is not a surprise to anyone, but that's the list there of potential quality grades. So prime choice, select, standard, commercial utility, cutter, and canner. And so just to elaborate a little bit further, prime choice and select are typically what we find um, in restaurants or in retail stores whenever we are looking to purchase or consume beef and then our lower grades are often used in manufactured beef products right so thankfully we aren't in the grocery store having to decipher between uh, cuts of meat that that grade as utility cutter or canner right is probably not going to um, leave us with a very positive eating experience and often joke and tell students i teach our live animal uh, and carcass evaluation class that anything Beyond select, just goes into dog food, right? Well, that's not the case. It can be used in manufactured beef products, but that's just to let you know that that's not what you're you're going to find when you go into the grocery store. So prime choice and select are those grades that we typically find, whether we're going to sit down and eat in a restaurant somewhere or if we're in a retail store. Um, So in terms of maturity, so I mentioned that it's um, using this lettering system. So A through E, and those are our different different stages of maturity when we evaluate uh, from a carcass standpoint. And so in terms of maturity, we're looking at the lean maturity. So that's based on um, the color and the texture of that lean. And I've got um, a picture coming up to kind of show you how it progressively changes in color as that um, animal ages and then skeletal maturity. So we're talking about bone ossification. And so um, these little buttons on the thoracic vertebrae. So uh, a young growing animal has these pieces of cartilage that look like little buttons uh, where each bone attaches to the backbone. And as that animal ages, it starts to ossify. And so it it eventually turns um, into bone. And so we can use that as an indication based on where that carcass is at the time that it's evaluated, um, to give us an indication on that physiological uh, maturity of that animal. And then the shape and the color of the ribs. And so we'll see a chart uh, on a few slides uh, that kind of lays it out based on the different stages of maturity. What are you going to see if you were to look at that carcass from the standpoint of uh, the bone ossification, as well as the shape and the color of the ribs, right? So if it's a C maturity, What are we going to find from a skeletal uh, maturity standpoint in terms of bone ossification and and shape and color of the ribs? We'll see that in in just a second. But I want to draw your attention here uh, to this little chart on the right-hand side. So this kind of gives us an indication on the age of the animal that we can expect to fall into these different maturity categories. Um, So uh, cattle that are A maturity, typically 9 to 30 months in age, B, 30 to 42, C, 42 to 72, uh, so forth and so on. And so if you look at some of the literature and you look at how these different levels of maturity are kind of classified, um, A and B maturity would be considered those young cattle and then older cattle are C through E, the the nickname is also hard bones, if you want to to remember that for your test later. Um, And so just to give you an example there, less than 42 months of age, young, greater than 42 months of age that it's labeled as old. And so in terms of marbling, uh, in terms of quality grade factors, these are the main two, right? Maturity of marbling. So we're looking for the amount and the distribution of that intramuscular fat. All right. We always have to make it known to our students that when we talk about marbling, it's intramuscular fat, right? Not intermuscular fat, um, but we deal with some special cases when we deal with our students, right? It's just a such a hard concept for them to grasp. Um, so here's that picture in terms of how the color of lean changes as these cattle mature. Uh, so that young a maturity we see there um, and then you can see as the animal ages uh, from a maturity standpoint, we see differences in terms of the color of lean and it may be kind of hard to see that, but hopefully you can see that the, the color of the lean progressively gets darker right as that animal ages. And so I don't know about y'all, but if you're looking at the meat case in the grocery store, you're probably not going to pick up a product if it's this color, right? Um, and so this just kind of gives you an idea on where we want to be from a lean color standpoint um, in terms of <clears throat> purchasing a product that hopefully uh, we have a, a positive eating experience. And so in, in terms of scale and maturity, when we think about breaking it down uh, A through E, Remember, the young cattle up top, and they get older as you move down. This just kind of gives you an indication in terms on uh, that thoracic button ossification based on as these animals age. And if you look at this little chart here, if you don't remember from a long time ago, maybe when you were in school, we can break these different regions of the carcass down, sacral, lumbar, and thoracic. And so if the term thoracic, you had no clue what I was talking about, Well, hopefully now you do, right? And so those thoracic buttons are found as each of those bones attach um, to the animal's backbone. And so as those thoracic buttons ossify, that's when we can see that that animal is is becoming more mature. Um, And so this also gives you in terms of the ribs, in terms of color and shape, as the animal goes from A maturity on through E. And so just a little footnote there, as the cattle mature, uh, the thoracic buttons contain greater ossification, the ribs become flatter and whiter, the lean color becomes darker, and the meat texture obviously becomes more coarse as that animal matures. And so this kind of summarizes everything that's in that table and the, the, the slides that we just had previous to this. And so you can remember that little statement there that kind of helps to tie everything together. Um, So in terms of marbling scores, uh, so here's the list of it. It starts with abundant. Obviously that means there's a lot of those little white flags um, found in our our ribeye. uh, Moderately abundant, slightly moderate, modest small, slight traces, uh, practically devoid and then devoid, right? So obviously um, this list here is from the most in terms of the amount of marbling we find through the leaves, right? Or where it's practically non-existent. And so you can see, hopefully, you can see as you progress through these different marbling scores, the moderately abundant, right? We see many more white flakes than we do in small, for example. And so this is the the second big factor that's associated with ultimately assigning a quality grade um, to a carcass. And so this question came up earlier and, and boot was spot on, so I can probably go ahead and skip it. But... Factors that impact marbling, and here's not a comprehensive list, right, but several factors that are of importance and worth discussion when we talk about things that impact marbling and things that we maybe can change from a management standpoint at the farm level to hopefully have cattle or increase the number of cattle that grade um, higher. So genetics, first and foremost, right, age of cattle impact marbling time on feed, the energy content, and really just the formulation of the diet, the amount of fat cover, and then also the breed makeup. So obviously that kind of goes back to genetics. And I've got a table coming up in just a little bit talking about uh, breed or breed type and how that can impact um, the grade at which we can expect from a quality grade standpoint, based on the type of cattle that we raise, So just a, a short list of things that impact uh, marbling and the amount of marbling that we find on carcasses. And obviously these are all things that we as producers can change on the farm level in order to maybe produce animals that grade higher than they currently do. And Boo referred to this chart whenever he was talking and so this is just the quality grading chart. It can be kind of confusing. You look at this, it kind of looks like a square, right? With a bunch of little rectangles in it with words and slanted lines, right? And so as a, a young, naive undergraduate student, that's what I thought too. But this thing actually can tell us a lot of information in terms of um, maturity and marbling, the amount present, and how we could utilize that information ultimately to land on a quality grade. So we've got degrees of marbling along the left-hand side, or or I guess along both sides, maturity across the top. All right. And so what this tells us is that if we're just focusing on a maturity, all right, we've got a young animal, remember that age range, nine to thirty months, typically. falls into that category of A maturity with slightly abundant marbling, that would be a carcass that would grade prime, okay? Staying in that maturity category, if we have moderate through small, in terms of the amount of intramuscular fat found, um, that would be choice, okay? And then we move on down, still in maturity. now we're at slight in terms of degree of marbling, that would be a select carcass, and then traces are practically devoid from an intramuscular fat standpoint in a maturity would be a standard carcass okay so you just kind of use this and you can work all the way through and you can look at all right so it's B maturity um, and modest in terms of marbling well that's a a choice carcass all right so this chart while it might look kind of intimidating really is pretty easy to work through okay And so these words that are at the bottom is just uh, what I just described in terms of working through each of those examples in that a maturity category. So just that relationship of maturity and marbling and then ultimately how that allows us to land on a USDA quality grade. Uh, On the flip side of that, so we we spent a lot of time talking about quality grades and how ultimately uh, that refers to the the palatability of the beef product um, and how it really refers to quality, right? Uh, Well, yield grade predicts cutability. And so the amount of product ultimately that we have uh, after that, that animal is harvested. So it's calculated to predict the yield of boneless closely trimmed retail cuts from uh, the round, the loin, the rib, and the chug. Um, and so it's based on these four characteristics here. So hot carcass weight, you might see abbreviated as, as HCW, 12th rib fat thickness, rib eye area, and then the percentage of KPH. So that refers to kidney, pelvic, and heart fat. And so we get that percentage relative to um, the weight of the carcass and so i'll explain it in greater detail here in just a second but if you're looking at what all these numbers might be on this uh, chart here so yield grade ranges from one to five and so this chart is just telling us as we move through all these different yield grades um what is the percent of retail cuts that i can expect from a carcass at a yield grade one okay so, uh, yield grade 1% retail cuts, 54.6%, okay? And so, pretty self-explanatory as we work our way through. Now, this has a lot of numbers on it. As we move forward through this, we're just going to refer to whole numbers, all right? One, two, three, four, and five, um, as we continue to discuss yield grade. Um, so, I, I just mentioned scores range one to five. So, an animal that is a yield grade of a one, would be a lean and or muscular animal. And we'll go through and hopefully the pictures do a good job of illustrating the point that I'm trying to make in terms of what a yield grade one calf would look like. Um, and so a one would be considered high cutability. A yield grade of a five describes an animal that's fat um, and or light muscled. That would be considered low cutability. So when we think about a range of one to five, obviously we meet in the middle there. And the average yield grade typically is a three and so i'm not very good at math but here's a a calculation if you want to go do some exercises in your own free time have at it Uh, but this is how we we come up with or calculate a yield grade and so think back to the previous slide all these factors that ultimately are utilized in order for us to come up with that yield grade well they're all a part of this equation all right so Um, These constants are in there. Those numbers are always there, right? Then we take actual measurements and we can plug in back fat, thickness, high carcass weight, KPH, and rib area, all right? And so um, our students in class, right, this is what they have to do um, as graded assignments, right? Because we like to torture them and we make them do this in order to come up with a yield grade. Uh, So I I put the, the textbook definitions Uh, of each of these grades in here, and we don't have to sit here and read through all these. I know the words are small on the screen, but I just wanted to give you an idea of of what it is that you would find in each of these different yield grades. So a yield grade of a one. So the carcass is covered with a thin layer of external fat, uh, slight deposits of fat in the flank cod, uh, other kidney, pelvic, and heart regions, thin layer of fat um, outside of the round and over the chuck. All right, so obviously if you're thinking in your mind, which I know all of you are, as you move up in, in score from a yield grade standpoint, we're increasing the amount of fat found on the carcass, right? And so as we go from a one to a two, guess what? It says very similar things. It's just describing fat found in more areas or a greater amount of fat um, found in each of those areas that we evaluate. Yield grade of three, that was that average, right? So uh, carcass is usually completely covered with external fats. Um, The lean is plainly visible through the fat, only on the lower part of the outside of the round and the neck. Um, Thick layer of fat over the rump and and so forth and so on. And then uh, a four, obviously we're getting to animals that uh, have laid down more fat on that carcass. Um, Carcass is usually completely covered with external fat. Um, Moderately thick layer of fat over the inside of the round, large deposits of fat. In the flank cod or udder and kph reasons uh, regions and so when we think about you know i, I work a lot with the youth livestock program and so we all have seen that really fat market steer come through with all that cod fat, right and so we can see that uh, obviously those animals probably would have um, a, a higher yield grade. and then yield grade up a five the carcass is completely covered with a thick layer of fat on all external surfaces fat around the brisket, cod or udder, right? So when we think about how these animals lay down fat, it's from front to back, top to bottom, and so when we reach a point where a steer has a ton of fat in the cod, right, that's like the the last place we're going to find that. If we think about that uh, chronological way in which these animals are going to lay down fat, and so obviously Um, If you don't remember anything, if we see cattle that have fat bones on either side of their tailhead and a ton of cod fat, it's probably pretty high yield grade. Um, All right, so that was just kind of the quick and dirty related to um, quality and yield grade from a carcass standpoint. So those high points to remember are that quality grade is determined based on marbling and maturity, right? And remember that it's physiological maturity not necessarily uh, chronological age. Uh, Yield grade predicts cutability, scores one through five, one's really lean, five would be an animal that uh, would be on the fatter side of things. And so obviously all those determinations are done with the carcass, right? So after that animal is harvested, when those USDA graders are actually grading the carcasses. So we'll flip gears a little bit and Dr. Edwards, when we talked about what I was going to talk about today, she really wanted me to spend some time talking about how we can implement these things um, and make these assessments on the live animal. Uh, You don't have to raise your hand if you're that person, but we often think that, you know, our cattle are better than our neighbors, right? Oh, they're going to grade really high. They're super heavy muscle. They're right where they need to be. And then if you were to get carcass data back on these cattle, well, I just don't know why they graded the way they did. Well, hopefully some of these things that tell you, you can go home, right, ride right through the pasture. And maybe you can say that smart guy from main campus in Baton Rouge really just told me some things that made sense. Right. And maybe now I know why everything I sent grade select. Right. Hopefully that's not the case, but I'm just using that as an example. And so when we talk about. Grading slaughter cattle. Um, so the grades of slaughter cattle are intended to be directly related to the carcasses that they're going to produce. And so to accomplish this, uh, we base it off of two factors. So the quality, obviously, or the palatability, uh, indicating characteristics of the lean, and then the the quantity or the cutability based on the intended carcass percent of uh, trimmed, boneless, uh, closely trimmed, boneless retail cuts. Um, and so that obviously is referred to as yield grade. So think of the same concepts that we talked about in terms of uh, quality and yield grades when looking at the carcass and you just kind of implement these same things when looking at the live animals. So when we think about quality grade, uh, slaughter cattle quality grades are based on palatability factors and you're probably thinking, you know, what do you mean by that? So I like can go take a bite of the live animal and figure out Um, how it's going to taste, right? Um, But when we think about uh, maturity, right, we also can't look at the carcass and think about that physiological age type thing from a maturity standpoint, Uh, but hopefully we know how old our cattle are, right, and age. Um, When we think about things that impact quality and we think about uh, barbling, right, we can do things like maybe um, get an ultrasound measurement of the amount of marbling that we could expect on our calf. Uh, we can look at fat cover, right? We can just assess condition or cover on the live animal, and that can help us to try to maybe get an estimate of how we expect that animal to grade. And So um, obviously not real-life pictures, but I think these do a good job of giving us an idea on maybe the, the phenotype that we would see on an animal in these respective grades right and so you know some of these can be kind of hard to differentiate between but hopefully this red and white holstein looking thing here right you probably can look at this and assume it's not going to grade prime right and so that's kind of the idea behind what's here we see an animal um, that has some condition on it right it's probably going to have some um, marbling or intramuscular fat just based on what we see on the live animal and so hopefully these differences in terms of how the animals look can kind of give you a generalization or a a picture in your head to help you um, to kind of make or or understand some of these differences and so i I talked about this table a little bit earlier but it's the breed effect on quality grade And so uh, we see the breed or breed type, I guess, on the left-hand side of the table. And this is uh, its relationship to uh, 12 red fat thickness. And so basically what this is saying is, let's take purebred Angus calves, for example, that is an English breed, okay? So this table is telling us that if we have a purebred Angus with 5 tenths of back fat, we can expect that calf to fall into that low choice category um from a quality grade standpoint all right so we're in louisiana so we have a purebred brahman calf let's say six tenths of back fat we're looking at low choice okay and i didn't get into those different levels related to quality grade so high choice low choice and choice Uh, but that's what these pluses and minuses indicate so uh uh, stl minus means low select kind of thing um, we look at some of our crosses, so let's say it's uh, an English Brahman cross. So let's take a, a Brahman-Herford F1, for example. At 7 tenths of back fat, we can expect a quality grade of choice, okay? So I think that this table does a good a, a good job of kind of laying this out uh, to kind of give us an idea on where we can expect these cattle to grade. That realized the dairy grade farm, but well, that's right. And so the, the the comment from the floor was that uh, he didn't realize how well dairy cattle can grade, right? And there are some restaurant chains that utilize um, Holstein or predominantly dairy type cattle um, in in their products that they offer for consumers to purchase. So um, maybe Boo can elaborate a little bit more on that in a little bit if you want more information about that, but. Um, that is something that uh, you see there. All right, so I I pulled this from a website from the University of Kentucky and I think it just kind of helped to drive some of these points home. And so it it goes along with this table because that's where I got this from too, but um, it it gives us a lot of information here. So it tells us that this is an Angus Simmental cross calf. Um, or it's that's what they want it to be in this example. So it gives us a, a live weight of 1,050 pounds, a 12 and a half square inch ribeye. And so if we think about the information that was in that table on the previous slide, 6 tenths of back fat. So this is an English uh, continental cross or an English exotic cross if we're using the terminology from the table. So at 6 tenths of back fat, um, that calf can be it can expect to grade choice. So come here, English exotic. We come over to six tenths, and so they were correct in their example there, based on the information in this table. Um, same for this one. So Charley Red Angus, once again, that exotic English cross um, at eight tenths of back fat. We can expect that this calf would grade high choice. We refer back to our table. Same kind of, same kind of cross there, English exotic. Come over to eight tenths. And we're looking at uh, a cat that we can expect to grade high choice, all right? So there were some other examples on there um, and I should've got some variation in terms of breed type to utilize more of the table, but hopefully these examples kind of drove home how we can utilize that table in order for us uh, to make some of these um, estimates in terms of how these cattle will grade in terms of um, uh, assessing yield grade on a live animal we use these same scores right just like we talked about uh, with the yield grade of a carcass so one two three four and five one being that really lean animal right five being the animal that um, has more condition on it and so these yield grade factors when we're talking about slaughter cattle we use the, the same standards as we do for beef carcasses so fat thickness um, kidney pelvic and heart fat, carcass weight, ribeye area, and so this, this slide here, here kind of lists uh, some ranges or averages associated with each of these different measurements, um, and so you see obviously fat thickness ranges from a tenth, of, a tenth of an inch to an inch, kph is typically one to six percent, um, carcass weight, well that's the live weight um, times the dressing percentage, ribeye area, um, it's measured at the 12th rib. It's reported in square inches. And so the rule of thumb or the average is that we can expect um, the, the, the ribeye area to be 1.1 square inches per 100 pounds, okay? So that's another calculation we make students do, right? So here's the live weight of the calf. Using the rule of thumb, how big can we expect the ribeye area of the animal to be, right? So once again, I'm not at math, I'm not good at math. So, I won't make a fool of myself, but just remember this uh, rule of thumb there 1.1 square inches per 100 pounds of live weight on um, the cattle. So, in terms of what these different yield grades look like uh, from a, a phenotypic standpoint, um, so, and just estimating this on the live animal u.s yield grade of one so here's the example this hereford appearing steer would be what we're talking about so an animal that's wide faced, thick-ended a lot of shape so it's describing a lean heavy muscle animal okay so get that image in your head of what that would look like on the live animal and then this is how it should translate to um, the yield grade from a carcass standpoint so not a lot of fat Uh, this animal does have a a relatively nice size uh, loin eye and so if we're looking at at this lean animal that's really heavy muscled this should be how it translates to the carcass side of things and think back to the yield grade and as we go from one to five right we increase the amount of fat and so uh, a two is just a little bit more conditioned than a one Uh, maybe not as heavy muscled and so we we think of Um, or we assess muscle right with a rear view that's one way that really helps us how wide is this animal in terms of base width when their feet are planted on the ground Um, heavy muscled animals will see a lot of shape and expression through that um, hind end Uh, down the top we can assess muscle and so uh, as animals uh, get lighter muscle you'll see that the pictures change quite a bit and they get much less expressive from the back end. They get a little narrower based, right? They just don't have what it takes to lay down that that muscle. So a two is not as heavy muscled as a one, not as wide from end to end. When we look at this cross section here, we see that there's just a little bit more fat uh, on this particular animal. Yield grade three, once again, we're just getting a little more conditioned, uh, flatter in terms of their muscle type, a little flatter sided putting on more condition we start to see that fat deposited on either side of the tailhead. right we're not really seeing an indication of cod fat yet but as we move through these different grades we'll start to see that and so when we look at this once again we see a little bit more fat that we saw on the previous slide okay when we look at a yield grade four once again a light muscled animal narrow based Hopefully you can see, I realize we're not all livestock evaluators, but uh, when we look at the, the rear view of this animal compared to a few that were before, right, we see that it. you move in behind it and there's really just nothing there, right? It kind of gets um, wasty. It just falls off and, and they really disappoint you, right, from a muscle standpoint. We see lots of fat deposited around the tail head and even in our little graphic here, we can start to see that this animal has uh begun to accumulate cod fat Um, and then a yield grade five so i was listening to i don't know what it was but um i think it was someone from texas a m describing a yield grade five animal and so he said if you cut the head off and cut the feet and legs off this animal looks like a rectangle okay and that is what it looks like right you can put that center body into a box essentially and so that is an indication of a yield grade five right fat has started to fill in all of these voids that we find on the live animal we don't see ribs right really light muscle no shape no expression on the back end cod fat is present the animal gets wasted through the brisket right we we can see these hopefully on the live animal and so if you raise cattle that ultimately look like this and you think you have a yield grade one, right? Maybe we need to go to another workshop. Okay, so hopefully you can see these differences on the live animal, and maybe how that translates uh, to some of these differences that we see from a carcass standpoint. So narrow top, narrow made, light muscle, no shape, and then we look at this ribeye here, and we see a lot of fat, right? And so once again, that is uh, an indication of a yield grade five. Almost there. All right, so just a few terms to talk about. So dressing percentage, I don't think I defined this. Maybe uh, someone did earlier, but it's just the proportion of the live weight that ends up as the carcass. And so many things can impact this. So the amount of fill, the degree of finish, uh, the weight of the hide, shank, heads, uh, so forth and so on. And then percent cutout or it's just the percent retail cuts uh, of this boneless closely trimmed retail cut from those different areas. And this can be influenced by the amount of trimmable fat. And so I put these definitions up here uh, just to go through this little exercise. Um, and we did not save a new one up there. Our right, Dr. Edwards opened my old PowerPoint. But what I did was, if you go back to that, uh, my butcher stole my meat graphic that someone uh, mentioned earlier, um, they have some really good examples in there. Just keep talking, Tom. Well, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> to up slide, but. Uh, so what it is is it just and someone may have covered this earlier when I stepped out, but it was like it's a thirteen hundred and twelve pound um, steer on a live weight basis. Uh, when we think about sixty to sixty-two percent from a dressing percentage standpoint, it gave us seven hundred eighty-seven. That's it, seven hundred eighty-seven yeah. pounds. Uh, from a carcass standpoint, and then when we look to how that translates to ultimately the amount of beef that we're going to get when we pick that meat up from the, the slaughterhouse, if we're talking about bone-in, it was roughly 511 pounds, uh, bone-less 432 pounds, and so it's just basic it off of these percentages, right? So 1,300 pound steer, 60% of that is the carcass, right? And then of that, what's left, 65 to 70%, is what we can expect in terms of the amount of meat we get back 55 to 60 percent, and we're talking about um, boneless. So, just to kind of give you an idea and put some numbers that uh, hopefully make a little sense. And so, I put this up here in hopes that Mr. Reggie Lucas would be here. He's back there, but he's not paying attention. His mouth is still running, but I figured I'd give him some ramen cattle to look at. Uh, maybe that'll make him like me just a little bit more. But with that, that's all I have. If you have any other Questions about this, who's in the bag, make him answer them all. Go
0: ahead and take question. I'm going to swap my presentation over, but you can take questions.